If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy Dale Lippin in here with the newest edition of the Punchlist MMA podcast being brought to you live and direct with the dude with probably the most sun-kissed shoulders I've seen in the last, I don't know, seven or eight days. I thought I'd throw you off and we're we're a cutoff today, brother. (laughs) I see that, man. I see them shoulders are looking glistening. Dude, just just got out of a little surf. I'm still trying to trying to cool down from the heat that was UFC 252. By the heat, do you mean the fact that we were <laughs> held to the coals and slow roasted for about four hours? If that's the heat you're talking about, yeah, I'm trying to cool down too. Yeah, yeah, I should be straight up naked. It's ridiculous. Dude. On fire. I've, I've never slow simmered so bad on an event. <laughs> that was that was brutal. The The plus side to that is, though, is that uh, there wasn't very many other people out there that did particularly well uh, from top to bottom as far as that card goes. But it was it was a uh, it wasn't a bloodbath, but um, man, that was not that was not a, that was not one of my shining, crowning moments in the life of an MMA handicapper. No, no, that was that was a tough one, and um, I think you know me really well. I'm the most competitive person on the planet, so if you don't think that I watched about two hours extra of tape for this card, well, <laughs> sir, you are incorrect. Yeah, yeah, I, no, listen, I get it. I get it 100%. Um, the only thing that made the you know a rough Saturday all right was the fact that I, I smoked a tri tip, which you saw That's on right. our Instagram. So um, shout out to the team, Stay Classy Meats. Use promo foot, promo code Fist. I saved 10% on the entire thing, and just cooked a five pound monstrosity. And I just sat there, basically like a miserable barbarian, mm-hmm. and ate meat with my bare hands. Got a bunch of juice just dripping down in my beard, and I sat there and I ate meat and I drank beer and I wallowed in my sorrow uh, for the first, you know, five or six fights of the night. So that's what I did, man. I had the meat sweats, I had the beer sweats. Uh, it was the only way I could make my way through the night. But the reason why that, you know, I was feeling the way I was feeling was because of the fights, not because of the meat. So by all means, guys, if you want the best quality meat on the planet Earth, go to stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code FIST. Save ten percent on the entire order. <sighs> anyway, Trey. Adapt and overcome. Let me bring up the energy here a little bit. Mm. Not only did I wear a cutoff because I just came back in from a surf, but yeah. I wore a cutoff because, yes, there were a lot of haters that kind of came out of the woodworks after uh. UFC 252. And I've been donning one because it's like 90 degrees here in San Diego, but I have also been donning this cutoff because, dude, I want the haters to know, like, hey, Dude, we're going to bounce back, dude. Mm, dude, we're going to bounce back. Well, yeah, the listen. Only... I'm... Well, no, Dale, the only way to do that, man, let me tell you. Okay, tell me. I got to wear not only a cutoff that just looks amazing, <laughs> right. but something that Allegiance does is the cutoff part near your arm here, it kind of tapers in. So it makes my lack of biceps just look, fuck, man. You look good. <laughs> you look good, yeah. man. It's a, it's a, it's a form fitting cut. It's a good It's a good cut for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And everyone can have that. I mean, 
jiu-jitsu guys, we don't have like massive muscles unless you're like, you know, um, who's a jiu-jitsu guy that's just freaking yoked to the gills? Cyborg. <laughs> yeah, you're cyborg. Yeah. So unless you're cyborg, guys, go to allegianceclothing.com. <laughs> type in the code PUNCH. That's going to get you 15% off site-wide. And those scrawny arms can be just looking like fucking mountains, dude. That's not, I think you look cut up, man. I think you look lean and mean, dude. Don't don't downplay it. Sun's out, guns out. I see you. Good. I see you. All right. Let's get after it. Let, let, let's dive right into this card. It's a killer of a card, man, in the sense that uh, this is a lot of, you know, what we like to call pay-per-view overflow, you know, fights that didn't necessarily have a home, but we had fighters that wanted to stay active. Cards like this can low-key be some of the best cards of the year as far as action goes because there's not a fighter on this card that doesn't have something to prove. Everybody here that's fighting is high stakes. There are there are storylines to be had. There are stakes that are, you know, well, I already said it, high. Uh, this is this is a, a card from top to bottom where every fight has career implications. And in that sense, the drama is high. If you're looking for name value, though, it is few and far between. Doesn't mean we don't like the card, though. Doesn't mean we don't like the lines. Okay. So, <laughs> sorry about that. I had a little moment there. Uh, <laughs> oh, Trey, as you know, uh, we had a, a small injury in the household. So somebody's walking around slightly handicapped right now. So I'm just trying to make sure that the whole world isn't going to come crumbling down right beside me as we're recording here. So let's get, let's get into this card. I'm sorry. I spaced out there for a split second. Adds high drama to the, to the recording. I don't know what was going on. The handicappers become the handicapped. That's right. The handicapper is the handicapped. Daniel Rodriguez kicking off the main card, taking on Takashi Sato. Daniel Rodriguez at 12 and one. Uh, taking on Takashi Sato at 16 and 3. Trey, Takashi Sato, much to our surprise, sizable underdog here against Daniel Rodriguez. Plus 155 coming back at minus 185 for Mr. Rodriguez. Gonna gonna pose a question to you actually on this fight. So for those that know Takashi Sato, he trains under Henry Hooft, which you know is makes you a dangerous striker. We all know yeah. that. My question to you is. Depending on who you train under, whether that's like Frost, uh, Zabi, or any any anyone like legit, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Henry, whoever it is, does that automatically give you give you points? Like, are you just? I mean, you know, you know, what I'm trying to say here. I think it gives you a little bit of points. I, I definitely think it, it. It as far as I'm concerned, when I look at, um, regardless of your record or quality of opponent, if you're coming out of a gym or a camp that has high quality people rotating in and out of it constantly. You're getting high quality looks, you're getting world championship looks. And in doing so, even though your record may not reflect it, the type of people that you're around bring your level up, right? Now, it was always it's I, I think that this is something that's universal truth in all sports. If you want to get better, you need to play or compete with people that are better than you. If you're constantly the biggest fish in every pond, you're never going to get better. So at a certain point, no matter how grassroots fighters like to keep it, they always move on at a certain point to a bigger gym where they're getting better looks or they make enough money where they can bring in those outside talents 
to help give them those different looks. You and I can't sit in your garage or go to a local gym and just train me and you nonstop and expect to be world champions. You have to bring in other people. So, yeah, I think a guy that trains with Henry Hoof and fights with three or four different world champions day in and day out, yeah, I think that scores you points. Um, I think that definitely, uh, from a betting standpoint, it gives you points in my book. And then I think that it sh- it, it shouldn't score you points with judges, but I do think if the judges are somewhat knowledgeable about any sport and they see the people that are walking out there with you, they know the difference between a, a Trey Van Buskirk walking a guy out and a Mark Henry, Mike Brown, Henry Hooft, John Crouch style person. They should know the difference. Yeah. And I think you and I are both um, pretty aligned with uh, we always believe in strength of schedule. And if you have strength of schedule inside the octagon, as well as what you can consider outside the octagon, that's a lot of points. Um, When we look at uh, Takashi Sato, he's got great wins over Ben Saunders and Jason Witt. And he actually did them in devastating fashions because of that striking. Um, The thing he has to really kind of watch out for here is with Daniel Rodriguez, the guy, he's not the greatest grappler, but if we saw anything, we saw Takashi Sato struggle with grappling. We saw that in the Bahal Muhammad fight. But Daniel Rodriguez, that's not his true strong suit, but he knows that's where a vulnerability lies. The one thing that Takashi Sato, outside of his striking that he has going for him, though, is he's got a great judo background. So if he can negate that takedown, keep this on the feet, I think that Takashi Sato, who's a slight dog right now, has a chance to pull this thing off. Yeah, I think that this fight is, and I think we'll see this too, I think it's going to get, I don't know if it'll get all the way down to a pick but I would expect some sharp money to come in on Sato as we get closer to fight time. I think this fight will probably close somewhere around the plus uh, 135, plus 125 range for Sato. And I know that seems like a lot right now, given he's a plus 155. But I really think that once people get to see, you know, uh, these two faced off with one another, they get to see him at weigh-ins, people are going to be looking, and people do look at cards like this for great upset opportunities because there is a lot of, like, really heavy chalk on a card like this, but there's also some opportunities where things are just slightly askew where you can get some 2-to-1 and 3-to-1 returns. This is a fight where I think that this is a very real possibility. Uh, Takashi Sato has much more than a puncher's chance to win this fight against Daniel Rodriguez. That's why we're going to take him in this fight. Um, you know, Daniel Rodriguez, keep in mind, is the favorite for a reason. But I think Takashi Sato, for the reasons that we've talked about, has more than a punch chance to get it done here. And that being said, is worth putting a play on him. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah. I mean, last thing I want to put on this, though. Yeah, is there's certain type of grappling, you know, there's the standard jiu-jitsu and then there's 10th planet jiu-jitsu. Dana Rodriguez comes from the Eddie Bravo, like 10th planet jiu-jitsu, which sure. I think, you know, extremely it's technical. It's great. But when you need to like hold, go straight up like Khabib style, be a wet blanket, hold, grapple, keep it up against the cage. The 10th planet type jiu-jitsu doesn't really translate that well. So while he might want to utilize his jiu-jitsu and his grappling, I just don't think it's the type of grappling jiu-jitsu that could negate anything that Sato's trying to do. All right. Well, we will see on Saturday night. So next fight on the card, Mariah. Is it Mariah or Maria? How does how how are we doing that? Because she's Brazilian, is she not? 
and they always pronounce everything strangely. Is it Maria? Well, no. In in Brazil, the R's are H's, so it'd be Mahia, right? Mahia. Is that what it is? Okay. We're gonna go with it. All right, Mejia Agapova taking on Shayna Dobson. Biggest favorite of the night, minus 1,200 for Agapova taking on Shayna Dobson. Shayna Dobson sitting here at a plus 700, obviously biggest favorite, biggest underdog on the card trait. Do the matchmakers have this one right? Is Vegas seeing this one right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know you know, how Shayna's even still in the UFC. She's she's lost last three out of her four. Um, they've all been in just horrible one-sided fashions. Agapova, you know, while her her fights don't kind of jump off the page for me, she did have a great submission over Hannah Cyphers back in June. Um, she looks to have uh, great striking for, you know, a flyweight bout. Um, I think they have it right. Shana's on the way out. The pink slipped in the mail. Yeah, I mean, her, I mean, her professional record's three and four, if I'm not mistaken. Shana Dobson doesn't even have a winning record anymore. <laughs> right. So if I, I, again, I'm just I'm just saying I, I if, if I'm not mistaken, um, last time she notched a win was back 2017 against Ariel Beck at the Ultimate Fighter 26 finale. Um, since then, losses to Laura Mueller, Sabina Mazzo, and Priscilla Cachoeira. Look, I, I'm not sure where the I'm not sure where the value lies with uh, taking a fighter like Agapo over here, but. Um, in doing what I think we should do here, um, let's take Agapova by submission. Ooh, let, I like that. Because, I mean, Agapova is a, is a foregone conclusion. At least we think so to win the fight. I wouldn't recommend anybody taking a stab at plus 700 unless you just can't ever pass up odds like that if you're one of those people. I would not recommend Shayna Dobson in this fight. But Agapova by submission gets you close to even money on a return. So you can get you can get that it's at a minus one thirty for Agapova by submission. Like so that. let's try that instead. Let's see if we can't get some value that way. Um because obviously if you're just going straight picks, Agapova's the pick. Meh. So yep. all right, keep it moving. Marcin Prochnio, thirteen and four, taking on Mike Rodriguez at ten and four. If I'm not mistaken, dude, both of these guys are coming off back-to-back L's. This is the type of stuff we're talking about. This is a this is a fighting for your job fight, is what this is. Um, we got the Polish power of, of Prachnio taking on, you know, essentially does everything okay, doesn't do anything great in Mike Rodriguez. If I'm being honest, Mike Rodriguez is a, a little, you know, a pretty decent favorite here, minus 240, taking on Prachino or Prachnio at plus 190. We've been back and forth on this fight, Trey. Mm-hmm. Outside of the main event, this is the fight that you and I have been the most back and forth on. Um, I don't even think we actually left it really confident prior to recording. Mm-hmm. So you telling me who we're going to take here is going to be absolute breaking news to me. So where do you <laughs> want to go? Where do you want to go? Well, I'm surprised that uh, Rodriguez is coming to this a little bit more of a favorite. If anything, this should be... Close to a pick on the two have a combined record of one and five. Um, you know, Rodriguez has like that sole win. This is a weird fight for me because both these guys are total killer be killed. I mean, uh, Marcin's got 13 wins with just two of them going to distance. Rodriguez has got 10 wins with zero of them going to distance. Sure. This is like the straight up human cockfighting. This is the John McCain human cockfighting we're going to see mm. at its finest right now. Mm. Both these guys are going to come in. They're going to strike 
to just murder each other. And at first I was going to kind of lie on the side of uh, Marcine because he comes in with a little bit more traditional and technical striking. And, but then I looked at it and I watched his, his fights. And while he does have technical striking, he leaves his chin just way up in the air. I mean, I feel like you and I could just clip that thing all day long. Rodriguez though, he's a guy that likes to dictate pace. If he can, can maintain that pace, he's going to win this fight. We've seen in the past, especially in his most recent fight, where if the, uh, pace is dictated by his competitor. That's where all his technique, all his comfortability, everything just goes completely out the window. So I think if Rodriguez can come in there, keep his head on a swivel, and uh, get he can get this thing done. Okay. So do we want to get cute with this one and do over-under on rounds? Is it one and a half? Do we want to get cute, or we just want to take Rodriguez outright and just be done with it? Well, see, they know. Vegas knows. That's why they, one, if it's two and a half, I'd be like, let's just do it all day long. But one and a half is sketchy. Right. Well, I mean, we're talking about seven and a half minutes against a guy, like you said, that are going to be fighting for the job. That means that they could come out and they could be super conservative mm-hmm. or they could come out and just swing at every pitch. I, I mean, we have not I, seen these guys come out and be conservative before. Right. Do we think that that's going to be the, the case here? No, I think that's actually a great play, especially Marcin hasn't fought since September of 2018. So okay. you can only imagine there's not going to be much cardio there. If he starts throwing for the fences, that'll erode that even quicker. I'm down to play under. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to we think Mike Rodriguez has a great chance of winning the fight, right? Mm-hmm. So does Vegas. They got him at minus 235. High quality chance that this thing goes under one and a half. Uh, the pick Rodriguez asterisk minus one and a half. Cool with that. Yeah. I love awesome. it. Awesome. Outstanding. Hang on a second. I got a freaking mosquito in here dancing around me. Sorry, headphones users. You're about to hear a bang. <laughs> there it is. All right. Look at that, dude. Fast as lightning. Karate kid listen, over there. Listen, I'll tell you right now. There's a couple different things you need to know about me. One, my hand speed <laughs> off the charts. <laughs> off the charts. Hand speed. Um, cardio, not that great. Hand speed. <laughs> Very good. Very yeah. good. Uh, oh, yeah. So so there is that. Um, <laughs> let's see. I, listen, guys like me, just body composition-wise, dude, I'm just not built for endurance. That's just not how I am, you know? I've got uh, – truthfully, you know, everybody was dogging Stipe, right, for his, like, long torso, short leg makeup. You know, they were talking about the Bantamweight – or O'Malley and Cheeto Vera both had longer leg reaches than – Stipe, right? Remember that during the, yeah. the broadcast? They were talking about, I'm, yeah. I'm built the same way. Those, that Eastern European immigrant body, we're all torso, man. We're not, we're, we're not leggy people. We're just, we're not. That's, that's so funny. And actually, I was thinking about when we were wa- uh, watching 252, when we watched the, the Vera O'Malley fight, it's on the opposite spectrum. Those guys are all legs. It literally, yeah. I was watching it and I was like, this is like Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man fighting right now. That's what yeah. it is. Like, it's insane. Yeah. They look like grasshoppers. They they were all legs. They looked like two grasshoppers that were standing there fighting. It was unreal. But yeah. but like people dogged Stipe, but it's like the same way. And like you look at my dad, he's all torso. All yeah. torso. And then and then I'm all torso. Like just very, very, you know, short legs. I got long arms. I have a great reach. But we're just all torso, man. It's 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 weird. It's a very it's strange. Caucus Mountain Warriors, dude. It's Caucus Mountain Warriors. Listen, I'm gonna keep saying it. People <laughs> That's our next T-shirt. I swear to you, our next T-shirt outside of the athlete tee is going to say Caucus Mountain Warriors. I'm telling you, it's sure. coming. It's coming. Put, we're going to put a poll up tomorrow. Would you buy a Caucus Mountain Warriors T-shirt? It's coming. It's coming. Get ready. All right. All right.
Co-main event of the evening, Alonzo Menafield at 9-1, and one, taking on OFP, Oven St. Prue. I got to stop making fun of that dude's lisp. 24-14. and 14. Uh, OSP, man, just the, just the perennial dog in every fight. Uh, depending on where you're looking, what book, he's coming back at even money or at some places a plus 120, 110 range to Alonzo Menafield's minus 130. I like OSP here, man. He's just, like we said, quality of opponent, strength of schedule, and he finds ways to win fights that you think he should lose. Um, I like OSP in this fight, dude. So I feel like sometimes uh, your previous fights segue so perfectly, and I think that OSP fighting Ben Rothbaugh was a perfect transition. And I don't say that because, you know, obviously it's not a, it's not a heavyweight, but if you look at Manyfield... Um, he's a heavy-handed guy. And we saw OSP, while he didn't look great by any means in his fight against Ben Rothwell, he used he was defensive the whole time. And we saw great defense. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at Menafield, he's going to come in there with those super, super heavy hands. Uh, we saw that in the Dana White Contender Series. He knocked the crap out of Paul Craig, which has been really tough to do in the UFC. So we, he knows he can get it done, but OSP, if he can just... Get out of that first round. And I think it's like you said, he knows a way of extending fights. If he can, you know, negate the rush, he can deal with the onslaught in the first round, he'll find a way defensively to squeak out a decision. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you got to talk. You, listen, if if you're a guy like Alonzo Menafield and your path to victory is knocking out Oven St. Prue, the last time that Oven St. Prue was knocked out, I'm just going to just take a shot in the dark. Give me a year. Just give me a year. Uh, I'm going to go 2013. 2016. Okay. I he went not, super aggressive. You went super <laughs> aggressive, right? You were, you, it was, I appreciate the emphaticness of like you were going for the point there. Yeah. No, he got knocked out by Jimmy Manuel in October mm-hmm. of 2016. That's the last time that he's got knocked out. Uh, since then, split decision loss to Vulcan Uzdemir, submissions of. Uh, Marcus Rodrigo de Lima, Yushin Okami, knocked out Corey Anderson, mm. lost by submission to Alir Latifi, but then beat Tyson Pedro, lost a unanimous to Dominic Reyes, Nikita Krylov, Michael Olajacek, Van Roth. I mean, you talk, the, the, there is no, the, this, is a, this is a murderer's <laughs> schedule, man. And prior to the Jimmy Manuel fight, he lost a decision to John Jones. Like, the dude fights tough guys, man. Yeah. Um, and this is a huge step up in competition for a guy like Alonzo Menafield. And I think they're looking at power and they're thinking OSP's done and he's cooked. I think he's going to shock the world on Saturday night, man. I like I like OSP in that fight. It's absolutely shocking. Not so much that he's going to shock the world, but what is shocking is that his chin is not gone. With that murderer's row, he yeah. still has a chin. We just saw that in the Ben Rothwell fight. He took some super heavy shots. And he, his chin seemed fine. And he so, had the power to hurt Rothwell. Yes. He had a Rothwell hurt in that fight. Mm-hmm. So um, sleep on him at, at your own peril. Anyway, let's get in the main event. Let's wrap this thing up. Pedro Munoz, the young Punisher, even though he's 34, so whatever with that. And taking on Frankie, the answer, Edgar. Uh, Frankie Edgar looking to peel back and fight Father Time. One last go here, right? 135. Here we go. Frankie Edgar plus 195 taking on Pedro Munoz. Minus 250. The old guard has been dying left and right. It is the time of the veteran. Uh, the hype train in Sean O'Malley got derailed on Saturday 
Trey, but can we breathe new life into the 135 division with the fresh interjection of a veteran getting a quality win over a top contender at 135? Can we get a Frankie Edgar win and then possibly a Frankie Edgar Cheeto Vera 135 matchup? Is this a possibility? Is this a possibility? Whoa, how do you forecast matchups like that? That's nuts. I'm just saying. Man. Um, Gosh, man, this is this is tough. There's so much love for Edgar. Um, but I look at this like this is a dude that's literally walking to the casino with his last hundred bucks. And he's just not he's not saying, hey, I want to think about this methodically. He's saying, fuck it. I'm putting it all on red. This is his last chance at any type of title contention or shot to the top tier of what's going to be either the 135 or 145 division. This is it. This is it. So he has a tall task in front of him. Uh, Munoz, obviously, he put his name clearly on the map when he just knocked the crap out of Cody uh, Garbrandt. But, you know, we saw him be a little bit more human when he fought Aljamain Sterling. Um, he's a well-rounded fighter, you know, hits super hard. Edgar, those super quick, you know, the one loss that we had that really kind of bummed me that, you know, we talked about at length was the Dodson pick from uh, 252. Yep. I think what we can learn is those quick type of fighters, those that can be really quick in scrambles that gives them a leg up, to a, a crazy degree. It doesn't matter if you're a well-rounded fight, fighter. If you are quick, you can work well in scrambles. Anyone that has any type of jiu-jitsu, any type of striking, you're working at your own pace. And that's the thing we saw in Edgar in the 145 division. Down at 135 where guys are notoriously a little bit quicker, I still think Edgar's going to come into this fight quicker than than Munoz. Yeah, he absolutely can be. A couple different things that Frankie needs to look out for. And one, and I'm just going to throw this out there. He needs to look out for inside leg kicks and low calf kicks. Uh, Pedro Munoz is going to has ve- has very very underrated kicks. His hands are getting better, but he's got good kicks and he's got a good strong base. And he knows that Frankie Edgar's path to victory revolves steadily around movement. Frankie Edgar cannot take that wide sort of stance that he's no- he's been known for in the past, where he's constantly moving his head and trying to yeah. faint, move in, and do all it because it causes him to be heavy on the front leg. If Muno starts beating up the inside of that leg, it freezes Frankie. I don't necessarily see Frankie coming out and putting out a wrestle-heavy attack. I know that people have been talking about Frankie Edgar's wrestling for years, but we have not seen Frank- Frankie Edgar's wrestling is like Jose Aldo's leg kicks. Mm-hmm. It's gone. It, yeah. We don't need to talk about it anymore. He's not going to use it. He's going to come out. He's going to throw th- three, four, five punch combos. It's going to be a whole lot of one, two, three, twos, and that's what we're going to have over and over and over again. You know, Pedro Munoz just needs to make the adjustments, and he needs to do them in time before he falls back too far. I don't like betting against Frankie Edgar in any fight that's not a title fight. He finds ways to win mm-hmm. fights and beat guys that he's got no no business beating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this is one last hurrah for Frankie Edgar. I think secretly, I know he talks about wanting to win a title. I know he talks about being competitive, right? But I think there's a real possibility, win, lose, or draw, this might be Frankie Edgar's last ride in the octagon. Mm, no. no. I think way. so. I think so. No. He's a he's a main event. He's a main event. He's an unranked bantamweight. You're looking at at least, in a division like that, three or four more fights and another two years before a title shot's even optional. Uh, Frank, listen, everybody, look, you've had a, at a certain point as a professional fighter, athlete, whatever, you have to be honest with yourself. And your team has to be honest with you. You can't look at the Aljamain Sterlings. 
You can't look at the Corey Sandhagens. You can't look at the Piotr Jans and think, I'm going to go in there and compete with those guys. I, I disagree. I think that oh, some man. people have. I'll, I'll tell you why. And this is a perfect example because not only are they friends, but they're relatively the same age and they have been in those title type contentions. They're actually notorious for both being those type of guy that have lost every single title fight they've ever been given. Who am I talking about? Uriah Faber. Yeah. Uriah Faber had a main um, main card, main fight of the night against, um, oh, dude, who's the guy that always wears the fedora? I'm blanking on his name. Brad Pickett. Yeah, Brad Pickett. That was it. He was in Sacramento, last fight of his career. And then what did he do? Kind of came in, you know, after the retirement, sprinkled in a couple fights here and there, picked up one big, big win over Ricky Simone, which launched him into the Peter Yawn fight. The Peter Yawn fight was supposed to be the, hey, if you win this fight, you're getting the next title shot 100%. I could see whether Edgar loses this, whether he retires or not, he's not going to go anywhere. He will sprinkle in little fights, and God forbid on that second or third little sprinkle, he gets someone that's a title contender. That's going to be his you know, 50th shot or whatever. But in this fight, you have to think he's 39 years old. He is a guy that is notorious for every single one of his fights, leads with his head and takes a lot of damage. Yeah. I would think after a 26 fight UFC career, this is going to be the time where he's going to utilize some serious fight IQ, preserve himself. And just like you said, pick some points, go in and out. Um, that's a path to victory for him with his quickness. This could get done. Okay, let's get it. Let's get it done, then. Let's take Frankie Edgar at a, at a pretty, pretty big underdog here, man. Let's do it. Cool. All right, let's rattle through these prelims real quick, like we've been doing, um, and then we'll we'll put a bow on this bad boy. All right, let's kick things off, man. Mark Striegel taking on Team Revalia. Valia making the quick turnaround after the last fight got canceled. Huge favorite here, man. Minus five sixty over Striegel. Uh, I see no value in this, just for the sake of picking a pick, Valia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlton minus taking on Matthew Semmelsberger. Uh, minus is at might or yeah is at minus is at a minus one twenty Semmelsberger coming back at a plus one thirty. Probably be closer to pick him come fight night. I'm gonna lean minus here. I think he's got I think he's got more weapons. I think he's gonna be stronger, the more physical fighter to get that done. Intriguing matchup though. Next one, Trey. Thing that you know fight that's really got me in, my interest. Ike Villanueva. Coming in 16 and 10, taking on Jordan, or I'm sorry, he's taking on, they made that adjustment. Who's the adjustment to? Uh, Jorge Gonzalez. Sorry, mm-hmm. you caught me there on the last second there. Ike Villanueva, minus 125. Jorge Gonzalez, minus 105. I kind of like Villanueva here, man. He looked really good against Chase Sherman. What do you think taking on Jorge Gonzalez? Man, this or, is a tough one for me. I was leaning Gonzalez for a while, you know, from Mexico, 16 and five record. He's got plenty of experience, but Villanueva has been fighting since 2010. So we just haven't seen much out of a guy that's been fighting since 20, 2010. Um, we've had glimmer of hopes here and there, but Gonzalez is, man, he's, uh, he, he wants this fight. You know, the whole reason this fight, it, it was rescheduled because of the visa issues. Yeah. Gonzalez has been thinking and dreaming this fight for a while. And the, what he's put on in the Mexico circuit, Dude, he's legit. We can do an inside the distance play. I like that. Okay, let's take inside the distance. Let's yes, try that. That's good. Um, okay, and then Austin Hubbard taking on Joe Selecki. Austin Hubbard at 12 and 4. Joe Selecki at 9 and 2. Hubbard at a slight underdog here, which I don't understand. Um, like I've said before, until I see one lose, 
I'm not betting against team elevation. Austin Hubbard plus 115. Joe Selecki minus 145. You just want to take the hub? You want to take Thud? Austin Thud Hubbard? Dude, when you, when you beat a guy and then the guy quits in the middle of the octagon and then he gets cut by the UFC, you have decimated a human being. That's what Austin Hubbard mm-hmm. did to Max Roshkoff. Austin Hubbard is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I, I just don't think Joe Selecki beat the dog shit out of a uh, 110-year-old Matt Wyman know, off of yeah. coming off a 10-year layoff is a huge win for me. Um, I'm just I'm just not blown away with that. I'm not saying Joe Selecki isn't isn't a great fighter. He is absolutely fantastic, um, and I I can see why Vegas is giving you know these odds close to where they are. I still think you know, ultimately the betting public determines where these odds finish at. I'm just not sure what they're seeing, given the body of work that Austin Hubbard has thrown together. So much disrespect in actually putting him in the underdog position here. I look for that one to get closer to a pick and come fight night as well. All right, last one featured prelim women's MMA Mizuki Inua taking on Amanda Lemos. Inua at 14 and 5, hyper aggressive taking on Amanda Lemos at 7 and 1 here, Trey. Uh, I know, you know, we, we had a little, we had a mixed bag of success with women's MMA on 252. Uh, our little gentleman's wager cashed for me, did not cash for you uh, mm. with the Yonderoba Felice Herrick fight, but that is what it is. We're not here to uh, rub that in. Inua taking on Lemos. Inua at a minus 140. Lemos at a plus 110. Over under on rounds at two and a half. Uh, under two and a half is a plus 180. Trey, Inua super super aggressive, man. Can yeah. Lemos keep up with that? Dude, I feel like her nickname should be the cook. The Kool-Aid girl, dude. She literally is like the Kool-Aid man, just busting through walls just to get one punch off, man. She will literally just take so much damage, just hyper-aggressively go through it, get her punches off, and start to take over the fight. It's an interesting matchup for sure, um, especially with, you know, Lemos, who's, who's got decent grappling. But Mizuki is just, especially in a women's fight, you have to dictate pace. You have to dictate pace, and that's what Mizuki can do. Yeah, I definitely think that that Lemos is going to be the stronger fighter, but I don't know if her output would be able to keep up with Inua. You remember Inua lost the split decision to Carolina Kolakiewicz years ago back in Invicta. She's been facing top quality competition for years now. Now we know women's MMA, it always boils down to essentially a 50-50 anyway, quality of competition or not. Uh, I just like the gas tank of Inua more than I like the gas tank of Lemos. If Lemos can't get a finish, uh, which you know, it's not something she's technically you know particularly known for outside of the rear naked choke of, over Miranda Granger. Uh, I don't. If she can't get that win, man, I, or can't get that that quick finish, I think Inua puts it on her. Looking at a 29-28, I think on all cards here. Yeah, yeah. Last piece I'd say to that is Lemos is. This is kind of where while you kind of shaded me with the Herrig pick, let's talk about Ashley Yoder for a second here. That was robbery. That was robbery. And what I said from the beginning with Ashley Yoder is she was going to come into that fight a little bit bigger. And uh, with that reach and that weight, uh, she was going to make a big difference. The one thing I'm saying for Amanda Lemos here is she is going to come in bigger. Mizuki is a relatively small straw weight. So you have to deal with that. But Lemos, her strength doesn't reside just in grappling. It actually is more so in striking. So with someone that's going to go strike for strike, go with the aggressor, Mizuki. Yeah, let's do it. Let's absolutely do it. All right, man. Uh, Tie a bow on this bad boy. You got anything else you want to give to the people before we go? 
in and out, man. I love it. It's in good. And out. All right. Well, speaking of in and out, if you're into that in and out lifestyle, one thing you want to do is make sure it's <laughs> clean when you're in and out. Uh, and the one way that you can get that that clean that cleanliness for that in and out, you go to manscaped.com. Use promo code PUNCH, save you 20% and get free shipping on everything. Guys, way to support the show is by supporting the show sponsors. It's the greatest way to let us know that you care. Uh, if you can, leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere we possibly you possibly can listen to us. Let us know. We'll be doing beer money giveaway next week. Um, we've got two weeks worth of beer money to give away. Shirts are en route. We will have some shirts available here in the coming days. So be on the lookout for those. It'll be a limited run. They'll be made once. They'll never be made again. Um, so get ready for those. And then I think that's about it, man. You got anything else? Uh, pre-orders on Caucus Mountain Warrior shirts. Pre-orders on Caucus Mountain Warriors. Any of my graphic design peeps that are out there right now. Um, yeah. If you're interested in designing the Caucus Mountain Warriors logo or t-shirt let us know uh and we will feature your work obviously if you're chosen we will 100 percent feature it and uh we'll go from there yeah and we'll, we'll figure out some sort of equity split in profits and all that kind of good stuff we'll hook you up for sure you cool with that right on love it we definitely just kind of made that up right now so i guess we're gonna do it <laughs> all right Caucus Mountain Warriors uh, t-shirt graphic designers, let us know. Uh, we'll be happy to make that happen for you. And, uh, yeah. Support the show by supporting sponsors. Trey, you got anything else? You're just looking at... See, look, it's very distracting, right? You got this you got this tank top on tonight. I know. Just, you're doing this thing where you're making awkward eye contact with the computer. <laughs> it's just, I don't understand what's happening. Is it the shirt I'm wearing? Is it the shirt no, you're man. wearing? I you mean, just, what you, was... make me, you make me laugh tonight, dude. Okay. You're just... You're smacking bugs. You're you're taking awkward pauses. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? God, fuck, man. We should we should really just script this show. But yeah, yeah no. so it makes it All so right. much more fun. So here's what happened: uh, decorative wall hanging fell off the wall and smashed my wife's fingers into oblivion. Legitimately crushed her ring finger on her right hand. Like it's dust. There's bone fragments everywhere. The knuckles broken. The whatever mid metatarsal is completely fractured. We got to go see an orthopedic surgeon tomorrow. So she walks by me and she's got like four cups in her hand. She's got like laundry that she's getting ready to fold. And the, the, the room that she's walking through, the door's closed. And I'm just watching her like, how are you planning on opening that door? Yeah. You see that I'm recording and you've just, you've literally have loaded yourself up like a, like a Mexican pack mule trying to get over the border. I don't understand what you're doing right now. That's why I was just, huh? Did she use her head? No, she got, she got to the door. She leaned down. She set everything down. She opened the door up and then picked everything up, got to the other side of the door, set it down again, and then closed the door. See, that's, that's methodical. That's why she, Jen's just a, she's a smart girl. That's what it is. That's you and I would have just headbutted that thing until that doorknob moved just a tiny bit. Or I would have just stood there like a dog waiting to go outside and just look at her, <laughs> look at me, looked at the door, looking back. I'd have just done something. I mean, it would have just been ridiculous. Well, in, 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 I guess it'd be my defense. I've been punched in the head a lot more than she has. So her, her quick fire ability, problem solving capability, she's, she's top notch. Myself, not so much. A little bit too much uh, head trauma on this end. All right. You're all torso and no brain, dude. I'm all, all torso, <laughs> jelly brain. That's all. <laughs> that's great man oh gosh all right 
I think we I think we've said we're gonna wrap <laughs> this thing up eleven times now. So let's let's do that. All right, guys, be good to each other. Like, subscribe, share, hit us up on Instagram. Uh, anything else, Trey? That's it. Cheers, guys. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.